One. I got some good news and I got some bad news. The good news is that we're on a seven-day winning streak in the S&P. And right now, we're working on eight. The bad news, it was in November of 2021. And we know what happened in 2022. We got stocks moving big in both directions, up and down. We'll cover them. We'll talk to Jeremy Schwartz at 835 for Wisdom Tree, get his take on the markets. Then we'll debate what FedSpeak will be today. It's Wednesday, and it's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Welcome, traders and investors. We are in the green by four and a quarter handles at 4,400. Uh, nice range overnight, 13 handle uh, range. Uh, the buck is up 22 cents at 105.59. Bonds bonds and back up uh, almost a half a point, 114, 11, 30 seconds. Crude is not going to $100, folks. It's down a buck 26 to 76.10. Gold slipping from uh, the 2K level down 280 at 19.77. Silver in the red, uh, just by a couple pennies, 22.57. In Bitcoin, residing in the 35K handle, uh, down $435 at 35,715. Let's bring on Triple D here. Triple D, I mean, seven day rally, and we're working on eight. What are you seeing out there? Uh, S&P is working on a seven-day rally, not the same in the other markets, but we know the S&P is, you know, what everybody looks at. So, yeah, it's been an unbelievable bounce. We were oversold, and just like Derek said yesterday, we have went from oversold to overbought, just like that. I don't remember the last time I saw it go that quickly either, to go from oversold to overbought, but that is exactly what has occurred. Um, It's hard to chase here now. I did buy a couple stocks more in the long-term portfolio yesterday. Trying to remember actually what I did. Um, oh, I bought that SMCI. I wanted to get back in that uh, super microcomputer. So mm-hmm. in the long-term portfolio, I put that back in. I'm just building myself up because I think AI is for real. And you know, that few of these stocks not going to half size positions, just you know, nibbling into stuff here. Just like NVIDIA was a half size position, SMCI half size position too, nibbling into stuff. Don't want to go full on ball because I still think you know there's tougher times ahead. But I also think that there's going to be this market here in 2024 that is going to still have this bifurcation where you see some stocks which you know have higher debt loads probably not doing as well, and AI stocks maybe still continuing to hold up. Yeah, seasonality coming into effect too, right? You have uh, you have Black Friday coming up, or everyone's just going to be out there buying. You have the holiday season coming up with Christmas, so the seasonality is working in the market's favor. Uh, I think short term, both yeah. still in control for sure. Yeah, uh, earnings season. Everyone was looking for, you know, disasters, maybe a warning from the big seven. They, I mean, nothing but buy the dip in Apple here, up, uh, you know, uh, up over 180, recovering all the uh, losses. Remember when uh, they had the problems with the iPhones in uh, China uh, being banned at work? So just a lot of things. We got through earnings season. I guess the, the next turn, I'll have to look it up, will be, you know, those inflation numbers. And we're looking at crude. Now, crude is residing in the 76 handle. But when they take those readings from a month ago, boom. But uh, the other thing, too, there's Fed speak today. And, uh, you know, once again, I mean, everyone took his comments as, you know, very, very dovish. And I think he's just kind of been the same. So we have him speaking. We have a couple other Fed speakers today. So uh, keep your eye on the wire. There'll be uh, there'll definitely be some moves on that. But uh, earning season continues. None of the big boys. But uh, once again, stocks up big, stocks down big. Let's uh, let's start with take two interactive. Let's bring in Mitch. Mitch, give me those numbers on take two. They did not report earnings, Joel. Oh, um, I mean the Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's get to, uh, of course, Rocks. reports tonight. Yeah, they report tonight. Rockstar's highly anticipated game, of course, Grand Theft Auto 6 expected to be announced later this week. Of course, Grand Theft Auto 5 proved runway success, selling over 185 million copies, only trailing Minecraft as uh, the best-selling game of all time. Of course, uh, I can tell you right now, guys, even as I get older and older, I'll still play some Grand Theft Auto 6. Um, what I'm waiting to hear, though, and a lot of people were kind of, this is speculation, but they wanted to see if potentially Grand Theft Auto 6 could be moved to like VR, like the Oculus or something like that. If that happens, I'll tell you right now, that's a big move. So just putting a little speculation out there, there's no confirm that it would switch over to the Oculus, but just the anticipation of Grand Theft Auto coming out is enough here to get Take-Two moving, and they do have earnings tonight. Amazingly, whew, the moves in these stocks off the games. Like, I mean, <clears throat> you're up $13 because they're moving up the release of the game, correct? Is that is that <laughs> what it is, moving up the release of it? Um, well, it just we didn't have an, ex an expected date. Okay, so now we we're got an expected get, date. Yeah, so now we're now it's going to be announced later this week. We still don't know the exact date that it's coming out. Yeah, but, but we're told that the date will be released later this week. And then so boom, we get the thirteen point pop. I would normally say just fade this stuff, but it hasn't been the market to fade for the last few days. The stocks that gap up go higher, aka Datadog. You know, oh, gaps yeah. up ninety six continues to go. Bulls are in complete control here. makes shorting tougher. Even the stocks that are coming in, they're still by the dip demand. People really believe, you know, this is it. Like, we saw the bottom and it's blast off to all-time highs. I, it could happen. You know, we, I can't believe we blasted off, you know, as much as we did. I thought we were oversold. I thought we'd get a bounce. This didn't think this much this fast. So, obviously, you know, I've been looking for laggard stocks that haven't gone yet. SMCI hadn't gone yet. Another one that I am watching here, which is trading crazy right now, is Unity. That must be off of the Roblox, which just came out. Um, but yeah. it, it hasn't really gone yet either. So I am looking at the laggard trade here. Has been working so far. Um, jump back over to just to take two, though. It's a big move, Joel. Give us some levels here. 149 in the pre-market. Yeah, yeah. Nice round number. 149.43 is your pre-market high. But uh, let's go back to your August high, your early August high. Came in uh, just under 150. So you got to think about that. That's only 70, 80 cents away. And a little gap to fill above that to 151.61. But uh, as we saw with the dog yesterday, now the data dog move, you know, was off earnings. As you said, this is a, uh, you know, uh, a moving the date of Grand Theft Auto, which... I don't know. Have you ever played that, uh, Dennis? Have you ever played Grand Theft Auto? No. I'm still stuck on Nintendo. We play as Nintendo. We're still wow. playing my old Wii is what we broke out. So I Guys, play with the kids. this is the original metaverse. <laughs> What's that? This is the original metaverse. Yeah, there you about go. It. And in the long run, I think you'll see more and more games like Grand Theft Auto. Um, I'll, I'll tell you right now, it just it's highly addictive too. Gaming's aren't gaming's not going away. Gaming yeah, has been here. Um, you know, I play it. I play every day with my kids. You know, in the like chat, let us know if you we play Super Grand Mario Wii every single day. So I mean, it's fun. I, I like the games too. Um, Grand Theft Auto is a little bit a little bit violent for my kids at this point in time. Do I yeah, play it later it on with their teenagers? For them. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Just might be a little bit. But the, that gaming is not going away. The games are going to get cooler and cooler. The metaverse, all of that tied into it. So I mean, I think there's a play here for you know to be long video games long term Let's... at reasonable valuations. Let's go quickly to Corsair Gaming just to like bring another gaming stock in here sure. and then we'll wrap up the gaming talk. Corsair Gaming Q3 EPS here at 13 cents in line. Revenues at 363.193 million beat the 347.355 million estimate. They do see fiscal year 23 revenues at 1.4 billion to 1.5 billion versus a 1.47 billion estimate. And net revenues were up here an increase of 16.5%. Uh, they did release a new Scuf Envision Pro wireless gaming controller for the PC. Um, I did see it was sold out on Best Buy. Um, you could still get it on the website, but that's a good sign, right? So seeing uh, their products being sold out there, uh, high demand. Um, of course, Corsair Gaming 
owns also uh, Elgato, and that's probably one of the highest used for streaming stuff. I mean, I have two of their products right in front of me. So just to put that in perspective. There's a laggard for you, folks. Oh, my gosh. Is this ever a laggard? But you know what? It's a hated stock. Yeah. It's just for whatever reason, never gets the name, never gets the love. Like you think of gaming and you think take two, EA, Activision, Blizzard, obviously gone. Those are the big three. And then you got other gaming like Roblox, which we'll talk in a second because they just had earnings and it's tied into the gaming. But yeah, I don't even that. think of Corsair and I don't think the market thinks of Corsair. And I don't know if the market's ever going to think of Corsair. So it's hard to just get on this CRSR laggard trade, but it's a laggard. Low of the move is in jeopardy. Was actually taken out here, I think, in the pre-market, right? Uh, 1234 was the prior low in November. You got down to uh, 12 even in pre-market trading. And then maybe, uh, you know, put a put a little warning that if this ever puts a string or closes above 13, then maybe you're buying it on strength. But right here, you're just trying to pick a bottom. And we know what happens when you try and do that. Let's go to those Roblox earnings because they yeah, just let's came get to that Roblox right at the top earnings of the hour. Popping, uh, man. Yeah, Q3 EPS, he had a loss of 45 cents, beats the loss of 50 cent estimate. Bookings at 839.45 million. Uh, Q3 revenue was at 713.2 million, up 38% year over year. Bookings up 20% year over year. And daily active users also up 20% year over year at 70.2 million. So um, this is my thing about Roblox is that it's a one product stock. And that always concerns me with one product stocks. What I mean by one product stocks is that they have one game, right? It's not like they make like five different games. Like let's say take two, you know, they have multiple titles under their belt. That's my concern with investing in this kind of company. Nice pop. You gotta investors think it's easy like for them it. to come up with more games, though. I mean, um, I mean you know, it's got yet, the huge you know? name. People talk about it. I'm not sure this is the one I would invest in either, Mitch. So I'm kind of with you there. It's obviously got the love. It's got the name out there. Um, people think about it, and they do. You know, this is you know a Wall Street darling from back in the 2020, 2021 area when obviously stocks were just blowing away. 141 dollars all time high. I don't think it ever gets there again. Uh, market cap on this thing, which is always a good exercise. And we'll get to Joel's technicals in a second. But just to get a feel for, you know, what the size of this company is. You can't look at the dollar shares price. Look at what the feel is by looking at the market cap. I mean, we got a $21 billion company here. Take-Two is a monster, just comparatively speaking, Take-Two. Oh, my gosh. Take-Two is only worth $23 billion. Take-Two is $23 billion and this is $21 billion? Wow, that's crazy. So, anyways, it's a no touch for me. It seems, that, that seems crazy that you would pay as much for Roblox as you would for Take Two. That seems absolutely insane. Uh, you have a, a candle here. I put a red bar. This is going to be the candle to look at for today. Uh, this was a high. Uh, we had a high at 40.93. You haven't breached that yet. A psychological $40 level. No, no, a couple of highs there in that area, but just keep an eye on this bar. It was a bad day. It had a high of 40.93. Take that day to 37, uh, 37.61, and then we know what happened after that. I believe this is when they, uh, back in August is when they talked about, I wasn't, was it changing the fee structure or uh, the CEO came out and said that. So it's recovered, but uh, 40.93, if that'd be a, a nice target, uh, Hard to talk about resistance the way these stocks have been running lately, but uh, they all of them can't continue to run all day long. Keep an eye on 4093. All right, let's go to some of the stocks that got hit here. Upstart Holdings Q3 adjusted EPS Ooh. loss of five cents misses the loss of two cent estimate. Sales of 134.56 million missed the 140.26 million estimate. Upstart expects Q4 revenues of 135 million and adjusted net income of 14 million. They stated that we're making rapid progress in building the world's first and best AI lending platform. And this was said by their co-founder CEO. Uh, of course, we prefer to be growing quickly, but this is a time when it'd be wise to operate in a conservative mode. Um, AI lending. You like that one, right, Joe? <laughs> I knew that was going to get your attention. <laughs> As Mitch likes to call it, downstart. 
So, <laughs> I mean, it's been just an epic disaster since the gentleman on CNBC, which we, well, we won't even go into that. But, you know, it's $380 or $400 a share. It's yeah. 20 bucks. Stock's down 95% from all-time highs. I'm going to throw out that stat again. Majority of stocks trade down 90% from their all-time highs 10 years later are still down there. So typically, these stocks do not come back when they trade over 90% off their highs. I mean, they don't go back to the all-time highs. There's always an outlier. There's always an Amazon that got hit during the tech bubble burst, and it goes up thousands and thousands of percents. But the majority of those stocks from the tech bubble burst never came back. This is one of those. We had the tech bubble burst, upstart. I think the stock is never coming back. Um, I don't know if, they, yeah. if they've got a case here or not. I know a firm was getting hit on this here, too. It's just not the kind of stock. Now, again... So not the kind of stock I would invest in. They're buying dips on everything. Are they buying this the dip, dip on this one? I don't know. Do they come in and buy the dip on this, Joel? I, I don't want to be the first oh, person here man. trying to call it. No, I mean, I I wouldn't be shorting it down. So if I shorted it, I'd be shorting it with a really, uh, really tight leash. Uh, you have one number in this area from May 18th at 21.56. You did you did trade below that in the pre-market, right? What did you trade down to? Uh, you traded in the pre-market down to 2090. So I'd be more of a, you know, a buyer in the 20, you know, 20 to 21 range than, you know, a seller here. I mean, you know, this is kind of a short seller's dream here. You got jammed when this was near 30 bucks just yesterday. And now you're picking it up in the lower 20 handle. As far as, you know, buying it for a long-term investment, I don't know. But just this kind of feels like down seven and a half bucks, one daily Boy. low. Yeah. I'm looking at what money Mitch is highlighting here. <laughs> You know I am. I start looking at what the rate is here, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll go get a personal oh, loan from Upstart. Yeah, yeah just 5.2% for the best, best rate that you could possibly get. And, and then the worst the rate. rate, you ready for this one? 35.99%. Who would put that on their website? Who would put that on their website? Come on through. I got you. Come on. You. Come on. Yeah, we'll we, we, we <laughs> get you a good rate. 5.99%. <laughs> That means every year, it, rule of 72, if you're paying 36%, that means every two years your debt doubles. <laughs> <laughs> we got you. Come on down, Holy. guys. I, the, I, I think I got a better name for this company, Loanshark.com. Yeah, might be I like mean, what it is. This is I've talked about this. In the long run, I really do expect regulation to step in against companies like this and against a firm and those kind of companies. Well, I, the way I, they target yeah, consumers. MasterCard and Visa. Okay, let's give Upstart a break. MasterCard and Visa's upwards rates are 24 25%. That's true. Too. I mean. You got bad credit. You got a deal. You, you gotta, gotta pay. pay. You so gotta you got pay. Visa, Mastercard, who are just darlings in Wall Street's eyes, are twenty four, twenty five percent. So, I mean, you know, if Upstart's willing to, you know, lend money to the person who doesn't have a job, maybe they should be getting thirty six percent. So, we're sorry, Upstart. You know, if you're gonna lend money to the people who don't have jobs, we need you out there. We need the odd loan shark. All right, let's go to Upwork Q three adjusted EPS here at. 21 cents beats the 10 cent estimate revenues of 175.733 million beat the 168.193 million estimate. They do see fiscal year 23 adjusted EBITDA at 67 million to 71 million EPS yeah. at 16 cents to 18 cents versus a 16 cent estimate and approved a hundred million share buyback program. I'm so sick of these buybacks, but Hey, some more at you. It's a good pop. I don't think this is the. I don't think this is one that's coming back anytime soon either. I mean, it's not off nearly as much as some of the other stocks from all time high, sixty four dollars. I had this in the long term portfolio at eight, and then I let it go. And I wish I still had it. Obviously, it's up at fourteen here now. This was back in the summer um, or early spring, maybe it was. We talked about it on the show. I let it go too soon. I missed the big gap up on the earnings, but. Um, that's kind of my story. I'm always out too early. I take the first bites and then I leave the meat for somebody else. I, I don't know. It's getting a pop. I'm not chasing. I'm just, I, I just can't. I'm, it's not in me to chase stocks. And I know it's been working the last few days, but it's just not in me to do it. 
Well, last time it had to pop off earnings, it continued. And then look at that, came all the way back down and filled the gap on that really nicely. Who knows if that will happen this time. We did pop over $15. You can see uh, a daily high at $15.47 and then a double top at the $15.75 area. So first things first, let's take out 15 and then... If you get up in that upper 15 handle, I think you'll find more sellers coming back on the downside. You and I, Molly, may fill the gap today if it totally crashes, but uh, the bottom of the top of yesterday's range, 12-12. But uh, let's see if the sellers that were out there in August and September, a little, uh, uh, little bit in September, are out there in the $15 handle. One thing I'd be looking at Upwork is for use of uh, third-party AI services, right? Like who can build your AI, your chat robots. There is some Google trend data. And then, of course, you see on their page a lot of AI services, right? Build custom chat bots, fine-tune your writing, get advice. So um, Don't think, all these companies put AI on the front page of their website? Yeah, but now, remember like... remember what they are, right? This is like hiring like like outside source work, right? And a yes. lot of the times... You know, with these AIs, what do you go you outsource to wherever you can outsource cheap and try to build AI products? So yeah. this is why I maybe wouldn't be betting too much against Upwork. But man, we'll we needed to know this there. five days ago when it got back down to ten bucks. Now it's fourteen and a half. Like stocks up fifty percent in five days, and we need a pullback now. So I, I agree, Mitch. Maybe throw it on your shopping list. Um, but you know, I, I just can't chase. It. And, it may, and maybe it's this thing to do. I mean, it has been working on a few of these names lately the last five days but overall in 2023 chasing has led you to a lot of losses spirit aerial system spr more trouble ahead where we've been talking about that one tuesday said an it, epic disaster it had an underwriting here underwritten public offering of 200 million here class a common stock to fund its general corporate needs the company also announced an offering of 200 million uh principal amount of its exchange senior note due in 2028 they also tried to push and they're going to give them an option for 30 million more um it's been really hit hard i think this is a matter of trying to fix the issues that they have they need money to survive and fix those issues what do you guys think here spr Mm -hmm. uh, it's just an always it seems like there's always a headline coming out that knocks the stock down 20 percent or 15 percent it's like nah. the stock that you climbs and then boom gets a bad headline and goes down i don't know if they have the boeing problems fixed yet i'm not sure you know i'm not following the story closely enough for that but i think we just got to be cautious just buying spirit whenever it goes up and here it gets a nice rally and what do they do they shove an offering down your throat so it's just kind of not stock that i'm definitely not going to invest in 20 bucks uh, is an area of interest here. You didn't quite get there in the after hours. You got close, 2056. So the Bulls are going to be defending that gap area down 327. That's a big move for this stock. So we'll see. I mean, if you're waiting for uh, 20, you got another buck 35 to go. Of course, coming back on the upside, a lot of room. So the bottom of yesterday's range at 24.15, if you really want to be a cheapie, you know, hold out for 18, but that, that'd really be a whooping today. All right, guys, um, there has been recent uh, issues from the GTF engines, and that's supplied by RTX, but that's for um, not not for Boeing planes. And this is something that I take a look at if you're an investor in the aerospace. So just giving you guys a little bit extra to maybe do a little research on what's going on there. That could potentially maybe help Boeing get some sales next year as those planes are having a lot of issues with those turbo engines. Uh, so take a look into that if you're into the airlines. Uh, definitely something to keep an eye out for. Uh, let's go to Rivian. Rivian delivered robust third quarter performance here, surpassing the Wall Street expectations. Um, and the big thing is focusing on the much anticipated R2 electric vehicle platform. Of course, the R2 would be a lower cost platform to compete with Tesla's hold on the 45,000 to 50,000 EVs. Uh, the current timeline for Rivian to reveal the R2 is in early 2024. They came in with a loss of $1.19, beating the loss of a $1.32 estimate and sales at $1.337 billion to $1.327 billion estimate. We'll see what happens here, but pro uh, production guidance to 54,000 units, citing progress on experience on the production lines and ramp of in-house motor lines. Supply chain outlook not looking too bad here. 
uh, for Rivian. The trucks look really cool. I mean, I've, I'm yeah, that's give a them, real you know, truck, right? That just show the picture. Do you have it on the screen? I'm not yeah, I can bring it up. But remember, that's the R1. So the R2 would be kind of a cheaper version of that. And so that's the thing that I'd be looking at, Dennis. I want EVs to tell me that they're going to make a cheaper model because the way that the financing is right now, I, I can't be going after that R1 right now. That's what I would uh, be I'm, thinking. I'm going to say something going to shock you, but I'm actually a believer here in Rivian. Um, I think Rivian is number two. I think it's going to be, I think where Ford and General Motors are obviously struggling to find the way to transition. Tesla obviously didn't have to transition. Rivian doesn't either because they've been EV the whole time. I think you're going to see always Tesla at number one. I think Rivian and the EV is going to eventually be the number two automaker here. Like eventually Toyota and all of them are going to figure it out. They're going to pass them. But of pure EV plays, I think it's Rivian that's number two. I don't want to lose it. I talked about Fisker before. It just hasn't worked out. Um, I still think there's maybe a place for Fisker. I don't know if it's a zero, but a lot of these are zeros. Um, I kind of like Rivian down here. It's a 16. What's the market cap on this puppy? 16 bill. Is that right? 16 billion sound right? Chat, 16 billion I'm getting. Actually seems kind of huh. low from where it was, but obviously it's come down significantly. Yeah, yeah it's come down from I 20 could be a, I could be a, you could talk me in to putting a starter position in Rivian in the long-term portfolio. That seems insane for me to say because obviously the company's burning yeah. cash. But I think, you know, we're in early. I don't think it's Tesla. It's not Tesla. Not Elon Musk. Not going to be the size of Tesla. But is there a place where, you know, you look at a Tesla market cap like just doing this for fun. Look at a Tesla market cap. Uh, where the hell is Tesla's market cap? Seven hundred billion dollars. Rivian at seventeen billion dollars. Is there a place you know where Rivian could get to thirty or forty or fifty billion market cap and actually maybe grow into that market cap, like produce earnings? We never thought Tesla could do it. They did it. I, I think if I'm buying an EV play. Uh, like a like a like one of these smaller ones because there's like a dozen of them, you know, Neos and all those. I think it's Rivian. How many how many vehicles do they have? It, it, and we, so I'm having deja vu here because this is how we talked on Tesla ten years ago. You know, like when we were yeah. like, wow, they're not going to take out Ford and GM. You know, like in you know, and, and all of a sudden, you know, they are the number one producer here. I feel like there are trajectories here, Joel. So how many of you? It's like 57,000, you said, Mitch? It's not a lot. Yeah, they, they, they You're going to burn cash for a very long But So you have offerings thing... in your face. You have a lot of things that you're going to fight. But is there a story here? And is there a path to profitability? Because Tesla did have that path to profitability, which we obviously didn't give enough credit towards. I feel like if you're going to do, if, you're, if you want to be in this you know, industry and you're a big believer in EV, I think Rivian's a number two. I think Rivian's the number two to Tesla yeah. in the pure place. I think one thing to add to that is that we're not talking about it is their last mile delivery truck, right? With Amazon. And this is from Reuters. I'll give you guys the headline. I read this article a couple of weeks back. This came out on October 18th. Um, but Amazon said that they had 10,000 electric vans in the delivery feed. And you can see it right here. Plugged in, ready to go. And that's the future, man, especially Amazon that wants to have 100,000 electric delivery vans on the road by 2030. And if they're already using more than 10,000 of these trucks, you don't think they're just going to keep buying more since they're working? That's what I would think. What do you nice. think? Would you buy Rivian long term? Yeah, this is Mitch. not a th this is one. There's going to be some kind of winners and you have to take some kind that's of that's what I think, here. too. You know what I mean? There's going to nice be pop. It's getting a nice pop today off the earnings up a buck ten. You snuck over nineteen bucks in the pre-market, going to nineteen ten, coming in from twenty-eight dollars in July. This really hasn't participated in a recent rally that much. So keep that in mind. Uh, a nice target on the upside if you're looking for more here. Nineteen seventy-three, and the reason I mentioned that one is because that was a bad day. It peaked at nineteen seventy-three. Uh, settled near the bottom of the range at 1809, and then that's when uh, really the catalyst to take it down to $16. So, little, little, uh, ECT, not much of a gap. Well, there is a gap there, but uh, let's see. If you're looking for more, that's a buck 20 away. First things first, though, you got to clear the 19, and that's a pre market high. You're 50 cents away in Rivian.
So Spinner's got a point here in the chat. I just want to continue his discussion. Joel's going uh-huh. to give us the numbers here, but it's like a call option. It is. This is speculative capital. This could very well be a zero. Rivian could be, but I don't think it is. I don't think Rivian is a zero. And I don't think Fisker is a zero either. I don't think Rivian or Fisker is a zero. But the market cap is low enough now that the upside, when the market cap was $100 billion, your upside just wasn't enough. Now the, the stock has come down enough that the upside maybe makes up, you know, because I think Spinner's saying four times, you know, if this if Rivian can really become the number two EV, you know, automaker, um, it could even be higher than that. It could be five, six, seven times. I don't know if it's a 10 bagger because that'd be a $170 billion market cap, but could this get to a 70 or $80 billion market cap if, you know, they really, you know, figure it out? I think it's possible. I believe in Rivian. I believe in the trucks. I believe in the management. Actually, they're on CNBC right now, too. A CEO's on CNBC. I think there's a place here. The question is, should you maybe wait till mid? I, I still think recession is coming, you know, and maybe people aren't going to have the money to buy this stuff. But this is a luxury purchase, too. There isn't, like, your your majority of people are never going out and buying Rivian. It's like, what are these things worth, Mitch? Like, what does it cost? Uh, the, the, the R1, um, it's definitely up there. It's in the 70s. Like, rich people are buying this stuff. Yeah, well, rich yeah. people That's are why they're trying to make what. the R2. That's why they're yeah. trying to make the R2 down to 45, 50, oh right? And slowly <laughs> work their way down, right? I got the Canadian RS, MRSP. It's 86000 to $140,000. <laughs> this is a luxury truck. Yeah, not that <laughs> many people can buy this. Truck. Let's be honest. So I, I, it's it, their expense, but you know what? Rich people are. This is such. This is such a high ticket. So you have stuff that's high ticket. Here's here's an argument here still for Rivian. You stuff like you know automotive. I'm going to buy a new car because forty grand. Well, that's you know because the majority of the population is trying to get to that. Majority of the population is never going to be able to afford a Rivian. So they are a luxury auto producer. The question is, can they get to? You know, like so, so that so during a recession, the, the rich are still rich. They'll still maybe buy those, maybe not if their stock market wealth goes down because that pisses them off. But I, I think Rivian actually just, I, I kind of believe in it. So I, and I can't believe I'm saying it here, but I don't mind it here mm-hmm. at $17 billion market cap, as like Spinner says, like a lottery ticket. Now, one thing I would say is uh, if the consumer is, you know, is paying for the Rivian, what happened to the sleep number, man? Because it didn't seem like they're paying for the beds out there. Let's get to sleep number here. Is their earnings disaster stock of the day? EPS at a loss of 10 cents misses the 17 cent uh, estimate. Revenues of 437 million missed the 511.816 million estimate. And also seeing fiscal year 23 EPS up to a loss of 70 cents. SNBR. Wow. People aren't buying beds. They're not going and buying new beds. People are, you know, and I don't know if you're financing this stuff, but I pretty much guarantee it isn't 0% yeah, financing. They, they, a lot bed. of them finance them because it's Yeah, just like, like how, what's these sleep number beds cost? So this is like the like Generac, it's like all the solar stocks, all the same stuff falls in the same category that this is big ticket stuff that people don't need to absolutely replace. Sleep number, cost. Bed cost. Google. What do these things cost? What's Please Google remember. say? Eight seventy nine is where you got to. Eleven hundred so bucks. Some of them are eleven hundred dollars. Some of them are four thousand dollars. Man, I just can't even like imagine. You know, I, I think this is just not the place to be, especially with the coming recession. Wow, this is way below the COVID low. Uh, the COVID low was fifteen twenty-seven, and uh, on that spot, this has been a little a volatile puppy, as I like to say. You got the age seventy-nine, then you got a nice pop on that, but you're leaking once again. So that's the only number I could give you. There is uh, eight seventy-nine. That was uh, your after-hours low in sleep number. I don't think these are the dips you're looking for. We're looking for so when we're, I'm putting the buy the dip hat. Good companies with little debt that they're they're that they're financing that they don't the customers don't need a huge amount of financing to go buy their products at reasonable valuations. That's what we want. So let's write down the checklist right now. I'm going to write it down. So you want good companies. This isn't even one of those. Reasonable valuations. You get a little chalkboard out. Little we chalkboard want, out. And we want low debt. And we also want, this is the essential, the most important one. Customers do not need financing to buy your product. Your customers need financing to buy your product. It's not going to continue to do well in 2024. It's a reason that all these stocks and the IWM and all these other companies continue to go down. It's a reason solar continues to go down. Every pop gets sold. 
because their customers need financing to buy their product. Their customer needs financing to buy your product. It's probably you know not the place to be. And people argue, well, what about Rivian? Well, people buying Rivian are rich, so it's just a little bit different, you know, animal there. But overall, I still don't like autos. I'm not saying I'm buying Rivian here today. Bring it back to the Rivian conversation. But I'll tell you, I'm definitely not buying sleep. Buying number. sleep number. All right, let's go to our guest. All right, we are joined by Jeremy Schwartz, Global Chief Investment Officer at Wisdom Tree Funds, joining us here on Pre-Market Prep. Jeremy, how are you doing today? Good morning, guys. Enjoyed the conversation to start. I've uh, got some good comments on a, a lot of it, what you talked about. So. Ooh, continue. continue. Let's, let's, continue. Go, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go with that. Start. Go wherever you want. Take uh, over, Jeremy. Wherever you want to go. Well, I, I, we can a, a few different I mean, on this idea, let's just continue, Dennis, your latest thread. Actually, two of the things you talked about, I had things I wanted, I thought I could bring up. Um, but if you if you go back to your checklist, good companies, reasonable valuation, low debt, customers don't need financing. And then sort of as a combination of you talking about Rivian for the EV, EV stocks. It's, I, a, it's a bad combo. No, <laughs> no, no. Here's my, here's, the, here's my play that gets actually, it's one of my favorite places in the world. I've talked about it with you all before. But DXJ, which is our Japan ETF, is symbolic of all of that. It's got a 10 to 12 PE. So it's like some of the cheapest stocks in the world. So very reasonable valuations. You got the largest holding is Toyota. All right. So I know we talked about Japanese. All right, are they the pure play EVs? They're behind on EVs, but they're actually doing a lot of interesting innovation. They're actually a, a, a very strong place for intellectual property and patents. They all haven't been always great at commercial commercializing other ideas, but a lot of interesting innovation. I wouldn't count out Japan Inc. as a player. And so they got good companies, reasonable valuations, not just low debt. They're like the cash rich country of all companies. They have so much cash on their balance sheets. And if you need to do financing, their central banks at negative rates still. They still have sub 1% on the tenure. <laughs> And so, you know, you got this, you used to have this, there is no alternative because bond yields were so low. Now you got 5% tenure in the U.S. There's tenure still below 1%, you know, so there's this huge equity premium. Um, so I think DXJ is part of the answer for your play and it'll diversify your lottery ticket with Rivian. Yeah. Well, mate, there you go. I'll do a little bit of Japan, a little bit of Rivian. I'll have a, I'll, I'll be like Kramer. I might diversify. Certainly. Certainly. <laughs> That's a uh, nice what else looking do you like? chart. Give us more ideas. I like the Japan idea. It, Give us more ideas, Jeremy. It's performing like an AI stock. I mean, that's our. We have eighty <laughs> ETFs in the U.S. It's our second best performing ETF this year. So it's performing like mega cap growth, but it's not mega cap growth. It's sort of like deep value for international. Um, so I think that's that 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 to me is one of my top ideas. There's also there was a question I saw pop up about the low interest rates. Um, there's there's also this question of should people go hedge or unhedge? DXJ is one of the hedge ETFs. You don't have currency in it, which actually is a benefit. You know, if you compare a U.S. investor buying DXJ to the local Japanese investor, the U.S. investor is actually getting six percent more than the local Japanese investor. Like, how's that working? Well, because when we hedge the currency, we are paid the relative interest rate differential. So the Fed at five and their central bank at negative and you roll these forward contracts, so you don't have any currency risk, you're getting paid 5 to 6% on top of the local market return, which is saying, otherwise, if you go unhedged, you got to see the yen go back to 140 from 150 just to break even with the hedge. So I, I still say this is like the Buffett trade when Buffett bought his five stocks, which are all in our top 20 holdings, uh, or most, a lot of them are in the top 20 holdings. They... You know, he did it with a currency hitch. He issued debt in yen. He got this cheap financing, basically the same trade that we're making in DXJ. So I, I come back to that all the time, that this is the way Buffett's buying Japan. Hmm. That's interesting because I, rem I remember when there was uh, a lot of talk about what Buffett was doing uh, doing over there in the Japanese markets. And then you look at that ETF and it's doing uh, doing well. What was, uh, what was the other uh, topic you wanted to hit on before we go into some other things? Sure. Dennis started off the show saying his long-term portfolio added S, you know, SMCI, one of the AI stocks, believing in AI. That is one of the things we believe in as a theme. I mean, I think it's often hard to pick the winner. I mean, this is sort of a wisdom tree approach in general of buying ETS versus a different sure. thing. But we have WTAI, which is our diversified basket. It had been 
up almost 40% and it's pulled back. So talking about pullbacks, um, you know, the way we have structured it, we're working on rebalancing it at the moment. So we'll have some updated portfolio holdings in a few weeks, but essentially we have about 40% semiconductors, 25 to 30% software. There's like these innovators of who's really using it. So you get some of the big companies there. Uh, and then also just sort of other hardware. And there are actually some plays on, on well, there's some robotic plays. There's also like, you know, cars who are going to do automated driving, have some AI hardware components to them. So it's sort of a diversified AI story. We're, we're believers in that story long-term. It's had a very, you know, pretty significant pullback from its highs. And so I think that's a, a, an interesting one as well. I'm trying to just look at your holdings. I just went to wisdomtree.com looking up the holdings in there. So looks like um, AI chip technologies. I don't know that. Is that of not a U.S. company? AI chip technologies? Yeah, it's a Taiwan company. You get a lot Taiwan of Taiwan company. You, you do get a lot of That's these. the number one holding. So I don't know that one. NVIDIA, obviously, is number two. Meta, Synopsys, Cadence, AMDs in there. Microsoft, Taiwan Semiconductors in there. Alphabet. Um, you have a lot of stocks in here. Holy. It's about 75. It's it's not as, as many as some others, but um, yeah. you know, we'll rebalance it in a in a few weeks. So if you here's an interesting one. What about WTAI, uh, the Wisdom Tree uh, artificial? That's what you're talking here. Yeah, that's the one you guys are looking at. I'm yeah, yeah that's this, is, this is their fund. <laughs> we yeah, got the Wisdom Tree guy also, on here. It's his fund. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm watching them right now. I'm looking them all up. Right. I mean, there's so many here that you guys can take a look at. You guys cover a lot of mega trends also. Yes. Um, which is really interesting, right? There's cybersecurity. Uh, battery value chain and innovation. That's WBAT. What about that one? That's an interesting one, especially now that we're getting some discount in the EV space. Um, what, what would we find in, in WBAT? It is. It's a. It's a play off of that EV storage. I mean, talking about Rivian and and, and who's going to benefit from that. This was the idea that EV is going to be a big part of the world, and this goes through all sorts of that value chain for batteries. Um, so it is sort of a derivative of the Rivian story that we were talking about as well. Uh, so it's global companies, there'll be some miners, there'll be people who are producing batteries. You'll, you'll have some of the EV companies in there as well. So that's that's all tied to the, to the same story. I think the AI play that I'm interested in as well, that is, it's sort of, in, I mean, it's, you don't think of it as a direct AI play, but you think about who's gonna benefit from all this innovation and who's actually really lagged um biotech we have wdna which is in that megatrend family called biorevolution we see a lot of uses of the technology for biotech companies and we think a lot of new innovation is going to come because that's one of the most data intensive sets of research out there and we, we see sort of gene editing happening in, in things beyond healthcare. So there's even some energy plays in there. There's some food, agriculture type plays in there. Uh, and so it's, it's an interesting one. It's actually been one of the, the best performers just recently. Uh, I want to say this quarter, it started to do act a little bit better, but it's it's obviously been a, a very tough spot. So I think that that's sort of a, an interesting longer term theme. All right, we'll take a look at that. Uh, let's shift gears here. I can't remember the last time you had uh, we had John, but uh, the great interest rate debate here and uh, uh, the dovish tone, the market interpretive. We've gone from such an oversold, you know, bad condition, uh, now uh, potentially overbought here, back up at 40, 40, 4,400. Uh, who would have thought that just a couple weeks ago? Uh, talk to us about Q3 earnings and then your outlook of, you know, for the year-end rally and, and interest rates. Yeah, earnings have come in quite strong actually i mean when we look at the expectations coming into the quarter we have a tool on our website called the path tool it's it's got all sorts of indexes that you can track uh sort of on a free basis um, you just sort of log in and and can play around with it and we sort of show what the estimate what before the earnings season starts we show what's estimated and then you show like as things are coming in how much is reported what that's at and then sort of what's the surprise factor and coming into the quarter it looked like your gonna earnings are going to be down on the quarter my site this morning shows earnings up 5% for the S&P 500. So it's actually come in way stronger than people thought. For an average surprise, we've got about 87% of the S&P reported. Average surprise of 8%. Um, tech, you know, we put a expanded tech that has things like Amazon and Netflix and Meta 
and you know Google that went away from just the official tech sector. Um, so we put there's about 73 companies in what we call the expanded tech sector. They've had earnings growth of 28%. So they're off the charts. What's really dragged the S&P has been energy. If you did S&P X energy and energy is only like 4% of the market, but that 4%, the earnings have like really been negative um, on the, on the year. And so you take energy out and the earnings growth is like 10%. So it's been a, um, you know, it, it shows you how, how impacted one sector can drag the overall number down. But so I'd say in general, it's been a good season. Um, and, you know, I think so much of the market has just moved on interest rates. I mean, certainly saw the, the market rally significantly when the 10 year went from five to 450. You know, if that 450 went back to five, I think that you do have a little bit pressure again, potentially. Um, I mean, certainly impacting small cap stocks, small cap stocks. Uh, we talked about some of the business issues. They also are the ones that are the only ones paying the higher borrowing costs. They have rates resetting because they do a lot of bank loans. So it's not like the large caps who issued extended maturities and aren't paying these higher rates. We, we did a chart of the net interest burden that is being paid by large caps. It hasn't changed at all. The small caps, though, 130, 140 basis points, they're losing they're losing margin for these banks resetting their rates. So that's one of those impacts of small cap earnings, way worse than large cap earnings. But, uh, you know, we, we somewhat think the market's reasonably priced, given all that's going on and, and earnings season coming in pretty well. Are, are you worried about that, you know, the concentration in the Magnificent Seven? I mean, one thing that, uh, you know, Dennis talks about is, you know, you look at those seven stocks, you look at the S&P, and then you look at like something like the IWM just muddling between its COVID low and its late 21 high here. Are we ever going to see that at that great, you know, the, the major rotation where we, you know, we get these small caps joining, perhaps uh, lower interest rates would happen? And so is it? Bother you that uh, you know what we're seeing with the concentration in the magnificent seven. Well, it comes back to that earnings story I just said. I mean, those companies grew earnings thirty percent, uh, or just the tech sector in general, not just the magnificent seven, but the tech sector in general has grown earnings thirty percent when the S and P, um, was basically five. And so, you know, they have a. When we look at that expanded tech sector, this is another thing I show on a daily dashboard. Every day, the PEs of the tech and the X tech, and the the tech is about ten points higher than the X tech. Um, so yes, they are more expensive, but they're delivering the earnings growth. So the real question will be when do earnings start meaningfully disappointing? And until that happens, they can command the premium. Now the X tech basket gets you could say maybe it's too low at fifteen times. It's below their thirty year average, um, and so people get a little bit pessimistic. And often things are a little bit brighter in the future than. They, they get in some of these value sectors. And I do like value long run, but you know, right now these tech companies are delivering on the earnings. So it, yeah. it, it's uh, until that, until that narrative fails, they're going to keep going. They're, they're the only ones that have delivered on the earnings. Really. When you're looking at, you know, this last earnings report, there was disasters in the cyclicals. I mean, the oil and gas stocks, but they've been priced, you know, up quite a bit here, but for the most part, it's been tech that has been consistent. That's been where the consistent earnings have been. And that's where the investors are going to continue to stay because one, it's the story. And then two is it's, you know, technologies and everything. So, I mean, it's hard to really come up with the thesis that technology starts to lag. I'll, I'll give you one little thing I think is happening. Um, I put a piece out earlier this year saying around October, we're going to have very good earnings. And you say, well, how did I know that? Um, and you say, is, is, was that right? The dollar has a very disproportionate impact on earnings, um, particularly for tech. Tech is the sector most exposed to foreign sales. Okay. Now, it's partly why I said Japan, Japan's beating earnings by a lot because the yen is so weak. And they're, when they translate dollar revenue back to yen, they make a lot more yen. And so their earnings are going up a lot. Well, same thing's happening with a weak dollar. And it often happens in advance. Now, what happened was the dollar... And usually when I did some of the analysis is like six months later after the dollar change is when it starts to show up in er like earnings in a more meaningful way. And so I said, October is going to be when you start seeing real good earnings. So that's what we're seeing right now. The dollar started turning around though. So you might see if I had to guess as you get into April, uh -huh. May, you might see a little different story. Um, and you might see because the dollar's been strong of late, and so that could actually pressure some tech earnings. You might see more disappointments. And it's amazing that analysts don't factor this in as well. 
it's, I think that's one of the things it's hard to fully get this factor and for like tease out what is the dollar impact and not, it's not easy to get this. Um, this was just my high level macro take on it, not a company by company take on it. It's not easy to do the company by company take. Um, but my sense is you'll get a little bit of pressure and the analysts don't factor this in that well, which is why I think you're getting the beat right now. And I think it'll be six months from now, it'll be a little bit trickier. Okay. We'll be looking out for uh, Q1 and Q2 earnings next year. We'll see the lag dollar effect. We've been joined by Jeremy Schwartz, Global Chief Investment Officer at Wisdom Tree Funds, covering a lot of things here on pre-market prep. Jeremy, great conversation as always. We want to have you. you back on again real soon. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Jeremy. All right, let's get back to the markets. How are we looking, Joel? We still uh, on the climb. We're just quiet. It's we're up a buck and a quarter, and uh, just hanging out near forty four hundred. Uh, eight days. I mean, eight day winning streak. I mean, we know what matters, right? How's the TLT doing? Uh, quiet. The bonds quiet are today. Flat. Yeah. Mm. I mean, as long as they're not going, not getting oh, killed. Oh, we, we started sneaking up down. here, though. We were only up about twenty cents. We're up fifty cents now here. So. TLT had a fantastic day yesterday. I mean, that was sneaky there too. I think mm -hmm. you got to look and say, can it take out the high from two, three days ago, the A905? That would be the next major resistance. Then you start thinking above above 90. But I mean, IWM was down most of yesterday. It tried to come up towards the end of the day. So you did see a little bit of dispersion there where I've been saying the TLT rallies, IWM rallies. He didn't see that yesterday. So one of two things is IWM is going to catch up or that means that IWM thinks that the rates are going to start to sneak back up again. Yeah, we got to pause. I mean, uh, you know, very nice rally. What happens after big moves, either up or down? You get a couple days of digestion. The digestion is, you know, the buyers are not going away and the sellers are still out there, maybe taking some short-term profits. But uh, psychological 4,400 level, yesterday's high, 03 and a quarter, 01 and a quarter is our current high. And we got some Fed speak today. so. Early, early to tell. It, it, it's time for the, the hood report, right? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I laugh. Oh, man. Laugh. I have some fun sometimes, guys. Yeah, Q3 EPS at a loss of $0.09 cents beats the loss of $0.10 cent estimate. Revenues here of $467 million missed the $478.45 million estimate. Uh, monthly active users decreased here 16% year over year to $10.3 million. Uh, they do see fiscal year 23 expenses at 2.399 versus 2.439. And prior was given 2.33 and 2.41 billion. The hood coming on down. I mean, retail traders have really been hurt. Um, you know, we're all the AMCs and the GMEs and all these meme stocks and all yeah. these high short interest stocks and all these storied stocks of 2020, like the upstarts and the affirms. They've all just been crushed. All these stocks have been crushed. The only thing that worked was investing in mega cap tech. And if you were invested in mega cap tech, you did okay. If you weren't, if you were investing in the Qs, you did okay. Invest in Spy, you did okay. You did really bad in a lot of other stuff. So all those storied stocks, those Kathy stocks of 2021 have been crushed. And retail got crushed along with them. You know, And like I said, I don't believe it's all retail traders. Like I said, I think we have a lot of excellent retail traders in our chat room. Um, I think we have a lot of excellent retail traders still out there that we don't even know about, but there's a majority of these retail traders, believe it or not, that have really been hurt. So where you're seeing some, and you know, like I said, I had the one friend and he was looking at his other, you know, a, a one friend from Bright Trading who was talking with the retail trader and the, and the gentleman was down 90% of his portfolio and he had all these stocks in there. And I'm like, I wonder how many other people are out there that are full of GME and AMC and all these upstarts and, you know, all these other lucids and, all these other EVGOs and all these storied stocks from 2020. I wonder how many people are just loaded up with all that junk. Um, yeah. I think it's more people than you think. Pre-market low. They really hit this thing. Let's call it an after-hours low. Uh, 881. But I think the dailies are your key here because you did have the big boys stepping up or traders stepping up at the nine dollar area they got a little pop they were hoping to get over to 10 today that's not the case so very important for this to put a similar formation in here uh that it did at the end of october at that between 880 and 9 
So uh, down, down trading 600,000 shares. So looking at potential support in that one. And then uh, the close, the mark, 976, a bunch of highs at the 975, 980 level if they decide to take this green on the session. And maybe... Maybe next quarter will be a little bit better for them since we did get, you know, some pickup and trading activity, uh, um, you know, as of late. So maybe next quarter things will be a little bit better for Robinhood. So John uh, mentioning in the chat here, and I've been watching the same thing, John LaGrisley. I've been watching Unity all morning here. There has been a seller of all sellers in this stock. So Roblox blasting off. You would naturally think, you know, take two, two as well, blasting off. They have two gaming stocks which unity provides software for these games blasting off you would think unity would get a sympathy move it has not been allowed to have a sympathy move this morning because there has been one seller with an iceberg order at 2680 i8 for the last hour i've never seen one that big on unity before so the volume right now on unity is 648,000 shares almost all of that was sold at 2688 by one institution so if you look you didn't get the pop. And I was like, what is going on with Unity? Why is it trading so much? It was trading because Roblox at 8 o'clock had earnings in a trade up. And they were trying to lift the offer. They've been trying to lift the offer at 2688 for the last hour. And it has not moved. Finally, it has moved. Does that release it? And does that allow the stock to actually go up here now? I don't know. Maybe the seller comes back in. Maybe they have more. But that seller at 2688 sold 600,000 shares there. Do the math on that, Joe. What's 600,000 times 30? So times three is 1.8 million times... 18? 18 million? 18 million dollars worth of stock? They sold 18 million dollars worth of stock there. So somebody wanted out. So watch Unity now. Now that the seller does appear to be gone. We don't know. Seller might come back in. Maybe they just come back in. They have more. You know, who knows? But they've released it for now. But these iceberg orders control the market. I mean, you get one big institution... That institution did not allow this stock going up. So they have a bazillion day traders now that are along this thing, though. So that is a concern that a bazillion day traders would buy the saying, this thing should go up. And it should go <laughs> up. And it would have went up. I think Unity would be up a dollar right now if not for that seller. But because that seller was there, now I have a lot of day traders crowded long on this thing. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch this stock today. There's going to be some big moves. And then Unity has earnings on Thursday. So that'll be important as well. We know the stock got hit hard when they put that you know, fee in for the software use. Did that knock their numbers down? Like, Did people say, screw it, I'm not going to use Unity because I don't want to pay that fee. I'll use something else. I don't know yet. So there's some interesting you know, stuff to think about here. Some balls to juggle. I'm still long Unity in the long-term account. It's been a disaster. All right, last thoughts, uh, Dennis. A quick little wrap up for us. Uh, what you'll be looking at today? Watching Unity for sure. Um, I think we're still just in digestion. I think to Derek's point yesterday, who made some excellent points on this show from T3, um, we're we're so far so good for the Bulls. We've had a huge move, and we really didn't give any of it back. I mean, a little bit back on the IWM, but the S and P is holding in well. You're seeing some of these other stocks that had big moves. You usually see 10% moves up, then you know you have a little check back. We haven't had the check back. So that's the good news here is that the bulls are still in complete control. Digestion up here would equal going higher, seasonality in their favor. There's a lot of reasons to still be short-term bullish, despite me looking at 2024 and saying it may not be as easy. Uh, real quick, Pablo has been asking for PayPal for the entire show. And I'll just say, <laughs> my boy, uh, my boy Pablo. He's, been, he's been consistent. So, uh, yeah. I mean, good support. You better, you hey, better Fifty-four. I mean, it's hanging in at fifty-four. It's up a nickel. You know, building us some support here. Um, you would sure like to see it get over fifty-six and hold. But right now, keep an eye on fifty-four bucks. Uh, digestion mode here. Got some Fed speak going on today as well. So we'll see it moves market. We got the high close of the move yesterday. Series of higher lows. Seven-day winning streak. Let's make it eight. And then uh, tomorrow, eight fifteen. We'll talk to Mr. Mark Jake and see what his outlook is on the market. So everyone have a great day and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Joel Condon's out of here. And of course, you guys can keep up with Dennis Triple D Trader on Twitter. We'll wrap up here. Like always, guys, catch us up next. We got live trading coming up. And I uh, did want to give a shout out to everybody in Ohio. If you guys don't watch our cannabis content, of course, we have Cannabis Insider. We have the Dales Report. And they were all talking about this situation that just happened, of course, Ohio. 
voting to legalize possession and sale of marijuana. So pretty interesting results there. 57% said yes. And we're going to continue to watch to see what happens in those situations. Of course, the HHS recommendation. Will the DEA reschedule cannabis? All things that you can find out on Cannabis Insider and the Dales Report. If you don't watch our cannabis content, I think you might be missing out on a big opportunity that could be coming in investments. Smash the like. I'll see you guys over on live trading. And let's keep going, team. There's always much more right here on Benzinga. We'll be right back.